The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 15th and 16th chapters. Jesus said to his friends, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me where you are going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the gospel of our Lord. Frequently on Sunday mornings, Mr. Music and I, we try to figure out what is it that we're going to name the sermon. You know, like we need a title for our e-pages or electronic presentations on YouTube and something. But today, uh, the title's been, been here for a while, and we're going to call this one Pentecost Moments, sir. Here's why. It's titled Pentecost Moments. We remembered, as we mentioned earlier, that today is the day that the historic Christian church remembers the Holy Spirit of God manifesting itself into the disciples and believers there in Jerusalem. What a day it was. Everyone was able to hear the good news of God's love and forgiveness in Jesus, this Messiah of God, because the Holy Spirit touched again their ears, their minds, their hearts, their souls. It worked through their hard heads and their hard hearts, and it inspired the people to receive good news. What a great day. But that special initial birth kind of a day, this day of Pentecost, it was more than a one-time event. It wasn't what our world might say, a one-and-done kind of event. The Holy Spirit of God has actually continued to be with the followers of Jesus throughout the last 2,000 plus years, continuing on with millions upon millions of Pentecost moments. Countless times where the Holy Spirit is present in one follower. The Holy Spirit's working in one person. And then through that person, the Holy Spirit then touches the lives of someone else to make something beautiful happen. That's another Pentecost moment. And it happens all the time. There might be Christian faith in a moment. And that Christian faith will win over a fear or a temptation to sin. And that's a Pentecost moment. The Holy Spirit just let love win or faith win. Or Christian love, it might prevail over the world's wounds. There's a lot of wounded things in this world, a lot of wounded people. But love can prevail. And selfishness can overcome with love. When you love someone so much, you forget about yourself and you just selflessly pour out. 
That's a Pentecost moment when you're giving the way God would have you give. And hope. How many times this world can hope be lost? But a Pentecost moment is when your hope in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit shines through whatever it is that's in front of you that's dark. And, and His faith in His life wins the day. Light wins. Those are Pentecost moments. They happen all the time. One of these Pentecost moments, and a very powerful one, and it has to do with what's happening with the disciples in Jerusalem right now. An example came to mind this last week. Some of you got to see my mother. She was at worship with us this morning. She has been here. We had a graduation. Our middle son graduated high school on Thursday. And so she was here for that. And it's this last week, at one point, we were able to stand at the edge of a lake. And boom, there was like, a, like in that moment, it's like we have a message, and it's a Pentecost type of a message. And here it is. My mom said to me one day, Jeff, your grandmother is awake. Now, I'd been watching a movie on the hospital television screen. It was an action thriller, one that kind of can take you from the real out reality of the moment and take you to someplace far away. Just one of those kind of movies. That's what it was doing with me. But my mother's statement seemed to come from another world, and it was the real world. I turned toward my grandmother at that point, and her eyes were open. They weren't always open at this time, but her eyes were open and they were looking at me dead on. Her head was all she could turn. Her body was just laying there. The effects of being older in time, of painkillers a lot of time at that time, and then medicines were robbing her of her strength, taking everything from her except her faith and her love. And the message she was communicating in her eyes. It was her eyes that spoke to me and called me to sit close to her bed. Now, I'd been home for just a few days, home at that point's Lake Okoboji Spirit Lake Hospital. I'd been home for a couple of days on a special vacation due to her worsening conditioning. This was her deathbed. She was not going to leave the hospital this side of heaven. She slept most of those last few days awakening only when my mother would help change the sheets or change her gowns or make some adjustments to her. But there at that time, I sat at the edge of the bed with her eyes open. I put my hand on her forehead and it was on fire. It was so hot, sweaty, hot forehead. I pushed her hair back. It was not even, I didn't know what to say because I was looking at her eyes. And about the only thing I say is, what is it, Grandma? like she was wanting to say something. And if I could just understand it, I could get it. What is it, Grandma? She wanted to say something. Her eyes yearned. Her eyes refused to release me. If I moved away from the bed after, after a few moments and went someplace else, she followed me wherever I was at in the room with her eyes. And again, I said, what is it, Grandma? And then in her eyes, I saw something and I remembered I'd seen that expression in her eyes once before. I was in grade school, maybe about seven years old at this time, second grade or first grade or something like that. And at this time, I'm standing on the steps of a church camp diving board, on those little steps that go up the church camp diving board, for the first time. I'm wondering if I'm going to survive a plunge I had made up my mind that day that I was going to walk out that Lake Okoboji church camp dock, boat dock, to the very end at the place where the waves are huge and the water is deep and the glory, well, it's just magnificent. 
I was going to stand in line, and when my turn came, I was going to climb up those little steps. I was going to walk out to the end of that diving board, and I was going to jump into that lake. Courageous courage and confidence was high at this moment. The moment didn't last. I begin the long walk down the dock toward the diving board. Then I'm standing in line. And then while I'm in line, my heart starts to pump. I can feel it in my chest. My little chest is getting louder and it's getting louder, pumping in there harder and harder. And then it's now it's almost my turn. Next kid goes up. Now I'm the next one in front of the line. My hands are gripping the ladder of this diving board thing. And I'm trying to act like a seasoned veteran. Boy, I'm trying to hold it all together, composed, everything. Now I'm climbing up. I'm standing at the end of the board. My knees are wobbling uncontrollably, or so it seemed. I'm at the end of this board, and it's dipping under the weight of my 50 to 70 pounds. And a moment passes, and I look down. Shouldn't look down, but I look down, and the waves are huge. Not in a sexy way. They were terrifying waves. The waves are huge. I can't see the bottom. Now second thoughts are overwhelming me, and I look back, and I'm looking at the kids down there, and they're shouting at me, hurry up and jump. They holler at me. I wondered for a moment what it would be like or what they would do to me if I started going back down, took the time to climb back down carefully, and he asked to move aside. And I thought for sure if I asked them to do that and take their time like that, they're just going to drown me. So caught between humiliation and a jump into certain death, I did the only thing I knew to do. I shivered. Just stood there and shook. And then I heard her. It's all right, Jeffrey. I'm here. Go ahead. Jump. I looked down and my grandmother had dove into the ocean, or into this, this lake, Lake Okoboji. She had dove in and she was treading, wa- treading water just off to the side, a little bit further out. And even as I share this, I can see, see her expression. Tanned face, black hair, curly, wavy black, but salt and pepper white in there. Pulled back, struck back to get the water out. A broad smile and bright eyes. Her eyes were assuring, they were earnest. Had she not said a word, I would have understood her message. But she did speak. It's all right. I'm here. Jump. So I jumped. What a terrifying and exhilarating and satisfying moment it was. Faith and trust in her won. A woman's love prevailed. Hope that I wouldn't drown. It won. It shone through. Something beautiful happened that day. Something worth remembering now 30 plus years later. 30 years later, the tan's gone. The hair is white as white can be. Her face is drawn. But her eyes, they hadn't changed. Her eyes were bold that day, and her message had not changed either. I knew what she was saying. Somehow she knew I was afraid. She knew it. 
As I looked into the deep of huge life questions that happen when you're at a place of mortality, when I'm wrestling with mortality questions, somehow she perceived I was standing at the edge of that day, shivering. Somehow she, the one who is physically suffering, the one who is about to meet her Lord and is physically fading, she had the strength one more time to comfort. And she gave my spirit courage with just her eyes. She reminded me of Christian truth. With love and with power, her eyes communicated that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has prepared a place for us and will take us to that place in all of eternity. And he calls us to that place both now as we live here, getting close to heaven and knowing him, but in the moment of our death, he returns us home. To my grandmother, the Holy Spirit gave a gift, a Pentecost gift. And from my grandmother, she gave it to me. And in that gift, it was, it's all right. I'm here. Jump. Now, when Jesus was walking with the disciples, from that first day, he's starting to call them for those first, those three years. When he's walking with them, boy, they were courageous at times. He said, we're going to cross to the other side. And they're looking around and say, yeah, it's stormy seas and we're in a small boat. We know what happens to people when they cross. But still, Jesus said so and they did it. They crossed to the other side. They would travel to hostile Gentile worlds with Jesus. They would travel within hostile Jewish cities, even Jesus' old hometown. But they would travel with Jesus They said that they would stand. Peter said, Jesus, I will stand and stand with you to the very bloody end if that's what's necessary, to the moment of your trial and to your death. Yeah, sure. That's what you say. But now Jesus has returned to the Father. The day of his ascension has come and gone. And now these guys and gals, they stand alone. They're huddling in the upper room, knowing that the Roman soldiers are out to find them, to arrest them, and maybe nail them to a cross. They know that the Jewish leaders are hunting them down and trying to police them up and search for them and arrest them. They know that they will be social outcasts if they announce Jesus and continue to say that he was the Messiah God. The society is going to rip them up. Economically, they'll lose their economics. They'll be cast out of the synagogues. They'll lose all their economy. If they declare that Jesus is Lord and the Messiah, the Son of God, their lives will be wrecked. That is what they stand in front of in this moment. And to these disciples, standing on the edge of this world, looking forward, they're doing their best to stand with courage. And to them, the Holy Spirit comes. I'm here. To the disciples huddled in an upper room on the edge of a dangerous and hostile mission field, the Holy Spirit of God comes. It's all right. To the disciples looking at the deep and dangerous, exciting world, the Holy Spirit comes to them. Says it's okay. Jump. And jump they did. With the Holy Spirit in front of them, with the Holy Spirit behind them, beside them, above them, and within them, they 
they shout out, if you will. We read some of it today. You can read the rest of it in that rest of chapter 2 and chapter 3 in, in the book of Acts. Peter begins to shout what he believes. He's not whispering it timidly. He's proclaiming it powerfully. He's jumped. He's shouting about God's power, love, and redemption in Jesus Christ. He said, the, he shouts to them, the Messiah of God that, that, that God sent, you rejected He just puts it out there. He says, this Son of God who you crucified, God raised. Jesus, this Lamb of God, takes away every sin. This is our Son, God's Son, and this is our Savior. Peter and the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how they're able to do it. They boldly and lovingly tell the truth of God and the people they were cut to the heart. Their hard heads were like softened and able to hear the message. Their hard hearts were made tender and they were able to hear the message. These people who had just been, they have a history of going after God's prophets. On this day, because the Holy Spirit's with them, they make a confession. They don't stand there and make excuses. They don't stand there and try to be defensive about what's going on. They don't deny anything. They just confess, yes, we sin. And then they repent. They turn their backs to all the things that are lying and destructive in the darkness things of the world that just wants to be shining and take you away from God. And they put their face towards Jesus. They believed the love of God displayed in the power and the truth and all the manifestations that Jesus gave them over those years. They believed it. And on that day, they received the fullness of the Spirit. They heard it in their own languages. They were baptized by the thousands. And they joined this movement to continuously know Jesus more and more. And then from there, join Peter in making Jesus known. To be sure the day of Pentecost was a day of universal blessing. Yes, God came in His Spirit and is now in and among His children. And the day of Pentecost was the first of millions and millions of Pentecost moments. Today, believers, we and believers around the world, this church, this day, like every day, we stand on an edge of a terrifying and exhilarating mission field. Today, just like that first day, there are crowds in our world, and we know it not much different than they did in that first century, there are crowds in our world who do not like the church, who even hate the church, who reject the truth of the church, and if you speak the truth, they come after you because it's not according to their liking and their taste and their agendas. They reject the God of heaven and His ways. That world exists today before us. And there are families and there are individuals who are searching for God's way and God's truth and God's life. And they have soft hearts and tender open minds and they want to know they're loved and they're forgiven in the way of heaven. There are both before us. The church standing on the edge of a blessed future Today we remember the Holy Spirit of God is with us and is waiting in front of us. Faith 
will win over fear. God's love in and through the church will prevail. Hope will shine through and something beautiful will continue to happen. On this Pentecost day, we remember as a church, it's all right. The Spirit of God is with us. Jump. Amen.